Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith and okay. Uh, no, no. And Di- I am Jason Eakin. Thank Oh, that's your line. Do it. David is out of town. Do the line. And uh, Do your li- second line that you do there. And thank you for listening. Oh yeah. Anyway, uh, David is out of town, and uh, I was supposed to be out of town this weekend, but uh, plans changed, and here I am, and here you are, listening to Jason. We are casting. What? Podcasting. I, um, this was already such a horrible mistake. I'm sorry. I regret it immediately. I apologize to our guest, whose name I have not said yet. Um, but here we go. Shall I Jason, say how are you doing? I'm doing great. All right. I'm doing very well. All right. Well, thanks for being here. I appreciate you, uh, you know, coming through in a pinch. You it bet. It a pinch. It was like a week in advance. Not really. You told me the, uh, the topic, I think, Wednesday. Oh, the topic, yes. But I told you you were going to, you know, be uh, jumping in. Yes. Uh, yeah, a, I, a, a I like these, uh, these guest co-host uh, gigs. It's, it's a, fun. Yeah. You're, uh, you're like our uh, Tony Randall. I'll take it. I know you will. I don't know what that meant. Okay, I so do. we do uh, we do have a guest, and this is very exciting. Um, our guest is laughing at the concept of this being exciting. It's exciting for us. It might yeah, oh, it's ex- very exciting for me on a childhood level. No question Why about it. Why does it have to be about children? You, you'll find out. What did I say? We've got uh, actor and comedian, not stand-up comedian, but like improv guy, right? Yeah. Sure. Uh, what is the, what is uh, improviser? Improviser. Improviser. Okay. Yeah. Way to back out of a compliment there about your <laughs> guest who you haven't introduced. <laughs> what was that? And comedian. Well, not really a comedian. Well, what I mean You're is like the, the, Improvi- the term the term comedian immediately jumps. In like fact, people think of stand up comedian when downgrade yeah. actor that. too. While you're okay. at it. Personality. <laughs> sure. Just say person. Yeah. Just say guy. So this guy showed up in my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> I decided Perfect. to put him on the show. Yeah, and I and I had my own mic. <laughs> Exactly. You are not going to screw up one of my mics. <laughs> Those cost a lot of money. I did give you one of my windscreens, though, because I didn't want you popping any peas. Um, anyway, so uh, so yes, actor and improviser. Sure. A comedy improviser, though. Sh- sure. Are there, I'm sorry. I'll, yes, t- I'll ask are. that in a moment. Whit Hertford is here. Whit, how are Woo! you? Hi, guys. This is amazing. You have wonderful air conditioning. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear Okay, I'm glad to hear it. It's nice. It feels good in here. Um. But uh, D- uh, Jason, I almost said David. Jason, it sounds as though you uh, uh, were answering my question already. Uh, is there dramatic improv, or is it all comedy? Like, is that well? I mean, if your question is, is there dramatic improv like at a theater or a club? Mm-hmm. I don't think regularly, and if it is, it's probably bad. Okay, but <laughs> it, in like in theory, there's dramatic improv. And oh, isn't okay. that isn't that a part? I th- uh, one of our one of our friends, uh, Stevie Potter. Oh, uh, yes. That's me and Tyler. I don't know if Wit knows her. Um, <laughs> no. Do you know everyone who improvises? Uh, not really. I don't. I, I kind of just know the UCB All crowd. Right, well, you keep at it, buddy. Crowd. You'll get, you keep at it, buddy. You'll get to know everyone. Okay. Um, but but she took an improv. Impro- oh my gosh, an improv class. And uh, they had to do, like, dramatic improv for, for like, as part of the class, sure, sure. just simply as an exercise. I did a one class with uh, Billy Merritt, uh, taught it. Uh, he's kind of a big UCB stalwart mm-hmm. and uh, a fantastic teacher. And he, he taught a class, which was, it was still comedy, mm-hmm. but it was, um, it was very specific. It was a Tennessee Williams slash wow. David Mamet 
Oh, oh my goodness. Well, let me explain because that could sound terrible, and it wasn't. It was great. I fun. think it sounds awesome. It was great. So like half of the the uh, curriculum was improvising in a Tennessee Williams fashion. Okay. So it's very loose. You know, you would take. We would say, okay, what makes a Tennessee Williams mm-hmm. play or movie? Mm-hmm. And then we would just adopt those elements. Yeah. You know, it's like. Talking a lot about mint juleps. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the Just father, constant the father that fans his, himself with his hat. Yeah. <laughs> the mother who rocks on the porch. Yeah. You know. Uh, then the mammoth side was all, you Cock know. Cocksucker. Yeah. It was, it was as many. It's more uh, of a David Milch. No, no, no. Definitely it's in there. Mammoth, it's mammoth. mammoth. He's not opposed the, to a cocksucker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> that as well as lots of smoking, lots of drinking. Yeah. Uh, Desperation, re- I, I would think. Oh, oh yes. Repeating. Yeah. Repeating. 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 Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Repeating. <laughs> <laughs> That's the scene. There now we're go. talking. Nailed it. Now that, now, that concept actually, was it meant to, like, uh, like the Tennessee Williams... You guys are doing Tennessee Williams. Is it meant to be dramatic? Because in... No. no okay, no, no, all right. Because no. in doing all that, it's What it's, it's meant funny. to be is to... If I remember, and uh, Billy, if you're listening, I'm sorry if I botched this. You weren't that good of a teacher anyway, though. Let's oh, my. Wow. JK. Uh, I think it's just to, like, basically get you out of your head. Okay. And put you in a really foreign circumstance. Yeah. Because that's the best improv is when you can just get the hell out of your own brain. And, yeah. uh, and, that, and that certainly does it when you're thinking of, you know, living mm. on, you know, uh, in yeah. New Orleans or something. It's yeah. also cool in terms of like sort of dissecting a very definitive voice. Yes. Though. I, th- I, I, I That really appeals to me. And usually these ended up being like one epic mono scene. And so nice. I remember one time we did it with, uh, for our performance and I played the dad and it was like, it maybe was nine acts. It was amazing. Mm. Oh was my. Amazing. Anyway. All right. Now wait, let's get to know you a little bit. Now, sure. of course, Jason and I, we know you uh, very well. <laughs> I mean, in the sense that, like, I knew you were coming on the show. In the biblical sense. No yeah. question about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, kind of a new thing we do at Battleship <laughs> Pretension. Yep. We're starting with you. This is a weird <laughs> warm-up, guys. Ta-da. Everybody does it. Everybody does When Paul F. Tompkins was here, he was cool with it. Come on. Oh, man, he gave us the idea. Said, this, look, I need to be comfortable. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so, Whit Hertford. Now... I don't want to put you in a box. Whatever, dude. You, I know what you're... Yeah. But when I think of a Whit Hertford, which I do often, <laughs> I think of that incredulous child from a film called Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More like a six-foot turkey. That's my thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's what I think of when I think of a Whit Hertford. <laughs> you know, uh, the which, reason I think of that is because you played that kid. This is true. You Fair, sure did. One in the same. One yeah. in the same. Uh, and, uh, and so that's... That's the first, you know, and, and we, we have a, a mutual acquaintance, and uh, she said, oh, do you know Whit Hertford? And I said, uh, yes, I, I, uh, I do know of him, and I, I think at that time we were Facebook friends because uh, I'd seen you walking out of a Target in Burbank, and I remember ah. thinking, like, hey, that's that guy uh, from uh, Jurassic Park. I'm going to look him up. I love that Target. <laughs> it's a great Target. <laughs> uh, Archer Farms. Archer Farms, oh, yeah. you call my number. <laughs> uh, so... So I'm not really sure how to get into this, except Archer to Farms, give me f- give me free stuff, please. Thanks. <laughs> Nobody gives us free stuff, and we endorse things all the time, like just movies. Tr- I'm trying. Oh yeah, trying. movies don't give us anything. I'm just trying. Now I like the chocolate mixed nuts. Oh, those are good. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you want to talk about Jurassic Park, or <laughs> if if not, 
may I tell you what I think of when I think of a Whit Herford? Oh my well, God. we can go further back if you like, uh, because we're going to talk. I think it's further back. I'm not quite it sure, is. though. It absolutely okay. is. If, you're th- if it's the thing you texted me about. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yes, that's further back. And uh, and and we're going to be talking about all of these, uh, not in a lot of detail because we have a topic we want to get to. Yeah. But uh, you know, uh, and and also we don't want to dwell too much uh, on these things because uh, what you're an adult. Uh, barely, barely. You have your moments, but anyway, yeah. like you, you know, you're you're in stuff now, and it mm-hmm. must be kind of frustrating to be like, hey, you're that kid from Jurassic Park, you know, or anything like that. I mean, it could be worse. It could be, hey, you're. That kid that's in jail that was in Jurassic Park. <laughs> Fair at, enough. At least I've kind of, for the time being, avoided yeah. that. Or, hey, fall. you're that kid from Jurassic Park 3. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, it could be a lot worse. It sure right. could be. Yes, absolutely. You're that kid. How's your meth addiction? <laughs> How is your meth addiction, by it's the way? It's pretty good. It's not yeah. too bad. It's not. <laughs> okay. I, lo- I love it. I'm really the. It sucks for everybody else, but I love you it. You really have made it work for you. Yeah, I yeah. don't know how that's possible. You can. Living with it. You can. Living and loving. That's mm-hmm. what it's all about with your meth addiction. <laughs> now, Jason, you want to go further back, it sounds like, and talk about... Uh, well, what do you want to talk about? I'll tell you what. Oh, boy. The <laughs> when look I on think, this guy's face right when now. When I think people. of you, I think of a bright child <laughs> sitting at a lunch table, just wants to enjoy his meal. Who doesn't? And then someone, some son of a bitch, <laughs> comes up, takes like a jelly donut... And smashes it into your face, yeah. Jason. Yeah. The, to the bullies, it, you know, in his defense, uh, our friend Whit Hertford did screw him over on a test, if I'm not mistaken. A test he was supposed to cheat oh for gosh, the guy you guys on. Remember this so much better St- than I do. I, it's on YouTube. Okay. Yeah, I so rewatched I, uh, it the other day. I rewatched it because as well. the, I hadn't recalled that that is one of the most specific, um, like tellings of. Uh, of that of that uh, Bible story, the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan. Yes, because the guy like uh, it says he like crosses the like the to the other side of the street, and he goes like a hundred yards mm-hmm. into the distance, and then comes back. And I always no. thought, well, that seems excessive. <laughs> <laughs> so you're talking, of course, about uh, McGee and me. McGee and me. How now, many people skate do you think expectations. This? Do you think pe- that that like people are going to know that? Uh, they it just if you were raised, put it in YouTube. Skate yeah. expectations. Skate expectations. Give it a look. <laughs> That's a play on something. I don't know what though. Skate or die. It's a play on skate or no, die. Or die. No, no, video great, game. Great expectations. <laughs> oh guys, man. are you sure, guys? I'm, Seriously, I, it's a it's a really famous novel. Was that the first skateboarding novel? Yeah. Okay. Oh man. That's awesome. Dickens. And that Charles Dickens had it all worked out. <laughs> he did. Um, ahead of his time. <laughs> very much so. Um. But anyway. Skate or die. Skate or die. I remember loving skate or die, but I was terrible at it. I, I you always died. died. Yeah, you always all the died. time. Yeah. Um, I was right in the middle. I didn't know what to do. That is such a <laughs> terrible life choice. You have two choices. <laughs> Just to do one thing and you can't even yeah. complete it. All I got to do is skate. Yeah. It seems like uh, the choice posed to you in a post-apocalyptic future. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Where it's just like, look, we need entertainment. Skate you will skate or die. The shredder is clearly in charge. <laughs> no question. Okay. So, okay. So we've brought up McGee and Me, which, yes, many people, some people may know it, some people may not. Because, on, like, I was raised in the Christian church, as was Jason. Hi. And uh, if you were, chances are... Right there with Adventures and Odyssey, uh, the focus on the family radio program, you were aware of McGee and me. Sure. And so uh, 
so yeah, I uh, I had forgot. I did not watch very many uh, of them, but uh, but uh, so I didn't remember you from that. And then Jason yeah. brought it up, and I said, "Oh, that would be delightful." Yeah, and I so have a two I part question. Two part oh, question from Jason Eakin. Question part one. You have yeah. a, you have a two part McGee and me question allowance. I know. One, it looked like it actually physically hurt when that kid shoved the donut into your face. It looked really painful. Yeah, you know, I, I think you think that there's more give, that the jelly is <laughs> is um, uh, yeah. is a consistency that is a lot thicker than it is, uh-huh. and that the, the day-old donut yeah. Yeah, is going to have more, um, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for, um, buoyancy? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Would that be a right word? I could use it, yeah. Were you thinking it was going to be floating. thicker? Yeah. So, like, yeah. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. Yeah, so it did. It did. Yeah, it looked really painful. So, okay, that I didn't ask it in the form of a question. Question part two. Okay. What do you th- – actually, it's sort of a – this is a part 2A. Uh, what did you think about McGee and me at the time? What do you think about that now? Well, okay, so I, I actually started drawing cartoons when I was, like, five. Mm-hmm. And I remember I would draw, like, this little family, and it's – it's such a weird it like totally explains how weird of a kid I was they were called the nothings they were like a very (laughs) meta family and they were losers and uh, so when McGee and me I was like oh yeah I'm like that kid I draw like that Mm. no 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 you're playing the nerd (laughs) yeah yeah you're playing the nerd that everybody is going to hate and feel sorry for you're basically like a like a boy girl (laughs) like you're gonna act like a pansy which didn't require acting at that point. Were you yeah. like, ah, oh, this is some horse shit? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my sister's in it as well. My real life sister oh. is in it as well. She mm-hmm. plays the youngest daughter. And that's oh, gotcha. my real sister. So there was a little family. Jason, there were a couple of Jason brother and Justine sister. Bateman section action going on. Yeah, Absolutely. Sarah and Joe are. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So um, I, I had a great time. I mean, you know, work is work when you're a kid, but. Uh, I liked to <laughs> wait. Work isn't work. No, when I was going to say, wait a minute. <laughs> Unless you're in a sweatshop. <laughs> yeah, that was a. Uh, that was a vaguely that was very telling and vaguely horrifying. Yeah, let me rephrase that. Getting out of school is getting out of school. There you yeah. go. Uh, and uh, you know, you get to skateboard and and uh, and mess around and eat free food and yeah, whatever. It was yeah. Okay. But I always I think it's very telling when people are like, "Oh, I know McGee and me," and mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh, you you guys had to watch that. You either watched yeah. that in some sort of Sunday school, Sunday school, or oh, yeah. Home. yeah." I remember my parents would rent them. We would go over to like hang out with another family. They're like, terrible, we by the way. Oh, they're awful. They're and just I, dreadful. I'll have you know, in the last episode, and then this is hurting McGee my soul. McGee dies? It's, it's hurting my soul to talk about it this much. But uh, the la- maybe it's not the last episode. There's an episode where there's like a battle of the bands. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this. It's, in, mm. it's the older one where you're like, where you're like these guys are way too old <laughs> to be like having this kind of Hang it up, strife. McGee. Yeah. That's what yeah. I say. Yeah, really. When you're 17 and you're still drawing a cartoon best friend... You're a freaking weirdo. <laughs> and the drawing hasn't improved. Yeah. yeah. He still comes alive and he's like, hey, what's going on? You're like, oh my God, shut <laughs> up. Hey, going out on a date? Better make. And you're like, oh. <laughs> McGee. So, um, and my, I was a, I thought I was Stuart Copeland or Tommy Lee as a kid. So I had a, <laughs> a band myself and they let our band play the fake band. So huh. if you go and you check that out, the drummer who you can barely see over the top of the Tom Toms mm. is wearing a wig with Ozzy Osbourne glasses because they <laughs> nice. wanted to put me in disguise because <laughs> yeah. they thought people would reckon. 
It's ridiculous. So that Philip has little, changed over the years. Yeah, and he didn't. Little he, there's no DVD way he could have gotten cooler. No, no, no. <laughs> anyway. Oh, my. I'm sorry that we went so into detail about McGee and you're me. You're probably going to have to edit out a whole bit of that. Uh, nonsense. Oh, wait, why? Do you not want us to... Uh, <laughs> Are you afraid to burn those McGee and me bridges? <laughs> that was supposed to be a reveal at the end of the podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. We're starting it back up. <laughs> anyway, speaking of Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah, Jurassic Park. Okay, yeah, yeah. Did you get any, any direction from Spielberg? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were in the uh, desert for, for two days. It was like 125 degrees. Oh, wow. Uh, Red Rock Canyon out by um, Mojave. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, he was he's about as like personable as they come. He's... Mm-hmm. Super efficient. He just, yeah. you know, it's pretty chaotic shoot if you think about it from a technical standpoint. They had to have like helicopters and like, yeah, it was crazy. <clears throat> and um, he was really cool. They cut out some stuff. There's one. Uh, I had one thing where he had me um, improvise this, where he had me. It was kind of my intro before that line, which was uh, he wanted me to step on the fossil that they're brushing off ah. and go right past camera. And Sam Neill's supposed to yell at me, you know, so you kid and. And I and he's like, why don't you walk? You know, Spielberg whispers in my, why don't you walk by the camera and say like asshole or something? And I was fourteen at that time, so asshole wasn't something like in my normal everyday vocabulary. Mm. Now it is all the time. In yeah, fact, yeah. I wake my wife up. I'm like, wake up, asshole. <laughs> um, <laughs> she loves it. But, They're getting um, divorced. <laughs> by the way, I'm out of it. Um, yeah, and so I did. I was like stoked. I was like, oh, I get to say asshole in this movie, and it was great. <laughs> and my stepdad was off camera. Mm-hmm. Who I hated at that time. Oh, okay. And he was like checking me out, and I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> you can't say nothing about what I'm going to do right now because this is acting." <laughs> um, so I want to uh, very, very briefly talk about because you are—I mean, you—you you did a lot of acting yeah. uh, as a kid. I mean, yeah. it wasn't just a couple of things here and there. You were, for all intents and purposes, a child actor. <laughs> yeah, and. Um, and you and I were sp- uh, speaking on the phone the other day, and uh, and we you talked about. I, I kind of want to focus on this actually more than what it is to be a child actor, okay. um, because there's plenty of, you know, books being r- written about that horrifying <laughs> subject. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, you you expressed honestly some of the difficulty when you be- go from a child actor and you want to get people to see you as an adult now. You know, sure. I want to. I'm no longer the kid from Jurassic Park. Much as we made it seem like that's what you are, right. you know, you actually can. I can play adult roles now, guys. Uh, you know. Yeah, you, you know. I mean, and it was. That? I mean, the first thing that had happened was I had to figure out if I could play adult roles. Like mm-hmm. I had to figure out if I still wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And so, as I was, you know, uh, we were talking about the other day. You know, I, there was a point in my life where. Uh, Right around right after Jurassic, I did a couple things right after that. <laughs> that was my peak. Oh, and okay. uh, <laughs> cry, cry. <laughs> and um, and I thought to myself, I want to just like play um, my drums and basketball and go to high school and make out with girls in my class mm-hmm. for like the rest of my high school career. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really go on auditions. In fact, I would like I'd be like, ah, I don't want to go audition for you know, Buster Brown shoe commercial. Mm. No, mom. Yeah. So I, I kind of like bailed out for the, from like 15 to 18. And, and then I remember I was, uh, you know, getting ready to maybe go to college and I was looking at schools and stuff like that. And I, uh, sat in the theater. I was a big, um, raising Arizona fan mm-hmm. and big Coen brother fan. And I went to go see Fargo 
and uh, uh, by myself. Mm-hmm. And I sat in that theater, and it changed my life. Hmm. Changed my life. And uh, I, I remember sitting after the credits stopped rolling and having a really sort of um, personal and 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 uh, an important moment for me <clears throat> that kind of is a benchmark for me. And uh, <laughs> which is weird because it's kind of a weird movie, but mm-hmm. there were a lot of elements to me where I was like, I want to do that specifically. Uh, William H. Macy's performance in it, I felt very like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I thought, oh, there's there's a lot there that I mm-hmm. kind of identify with as like an actor that like, it's not necessarily comedic, it's not necessarily dramatic. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere in the middle, and I kind of like that I can't define it. Yeah, yeah. And and the Coens are kind of great at that mm-hmm. as a whole. Yeah. As is somebody like Wes Anderson, who mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of as well. Um, and actually. Cut to several years later, I was able to meet uh, William H. Macy. He mm. goes, goes by Bill. I don't say that to sound like a douche, but oh, okay. I met Bill Macy and uh, kind of cried like a Beatle maniac on his shoulder. <laughs> and, you know, he, he, come here, brother. And he gives me like a big, he, I mean, he talks about as kitschy and mm. uh, as you would expect, which mm-hmm. is intensely charming. <laughs> and he's a, he's a wonderful guy. And I, I, Kind of had a dream come true where I got to talk about a role I wrote for him in a script and mm. had like a five-hour dinner with him oh, uh, wow. after a performance of a mammoth play he was in in New York. And hmm. it was definitely like uh, a moment that I'll, I'll probably be talking about f- forever because yeah. it, it definitely changed me. It's funny. When I met him and then also I, when I met Philip Seymour Hoffman at one point, and these are not because I run in fancy circles. These are mm. all really like happenstance situations. Oh, yeah. My my uh, my cousin, as you could probably tell, um, there's a lot of uh, phys- you know like physical prowess in my family. <laughs> We're all very very like physic physical human beings, mm-hmm. um, you know Olympians. No question sure. about it. Yeah. And so my cousin actually does the skeleton, which is the uh, like face first um, bobsled, where you're oh, on okay. your stomach and your chin's about an inch from the ice. Hmm. It's crazy. And she's great. And she was doing the Olympics. And so Jay Leno brought her on. And we were the only part of her family that lived in L.A., my mm-hmm. wife and I. And so she called us up and said, hey, do you want to come? Philip Hoffman was the guest. So I kind of like stalked outside his dressing room <laughs> while we were there. And uh, point being is that when I met him and when I met Bill Macy, uh, there was a linking thing between the two guys. They're both very, di- very different. Mm-hmm. Bill Macy, again, is like kind of you think he's you know, again, selling you a car. It really, he <laughs> yeah. really is sort of Jerry Lundergaard. It's great. Mm-hmm. Ah, what the Christ. <laughs> well, exactly. And, and Phil Hoffman looks like he's coming into your house to fix your plumbing. <laughs> uh, both very salt of the earth guys though. Yeah. And the linking thing for me, and it was, I kind of learned more about acting in 20 seconds with those guys than I, than I kind of did in four years of really intense conservatory theater training mm-hmm. that I also went through. Hmm. Which was, here I was, a complete stranger with these guys, and they listened intently to what I was saying, Mm -hmm. which blew me away. I thought, that's why you can do it, because not only can you be so in tune when you're in your scene work, Mm -hmm. but you, it's intrinsically a part of you in your regular life. And uh, I thought that was very, very impressive. Really Mm -hmm. impressive. And so that actually will kind of... uh Actually, well, uh, before I do that, uh, more uh, inter- kind of some interviewee sort of things. Um, so in the last in the last few years, you've been getting uh, a fair amount of voiceover uh, or voice work. Yeah, when you look like me, you either um, 
have to like figure out what niche of the industry mm-hmm. is going to be your bread and butter. Yeah. And uh, I have a face made for radio. Oh, come now. That's an old, I think that's an old like vaudevillian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is it? Oh, you guys were like, no, no. I've, heard, I've heard the term before. Okay. But yeah, so you know, I'm not, I'm not a guy that gets the, I have, I have some friends that are extremely good looking male actors mm-hmm. and they get a, a large volume of auditions. Mm-hmm. Don't be, don't be dissuade actor that lives in some small town if you think that like because Seth Rogen and you know <laughs> Jonah Hill are getting big starring roles that like the tides have turned and that like because the Big Bang Theory you know <laughs> that, that like oh yeah nerds are taking no 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 those are definitely definitely the exceptions mm-hmm. it's still always Hollywood and it's yeah. still always about how damn awesome looking you are mm-hmm. which I understand I'm not bitter about it but the fact is the fact is that I don't have the same amount <laughs> volume of auditions is some of my better looking uh, colleagues. So voiceovers um, kind of happens to be something that I, I, I not only love doing, but um, really works for me. And I, I do do work off that. I've been uh, working consistently uh, with uh, like some animation shows on Cartoon Network, like Chowder. Mm-hmm. And uh, most recently, and I think I can say it now, they like, uh, there was a five page, uh, uh, confidentiality agreement I had to sign and couldn't really talk about it, but it, since it's airing in like a week, I think it's fine. Uh, Star Wars Clone Wars, mm-hmm. which for a Star Wars geek, when I got mm-hmm. that letter from Lucasfilm that says, mm-hmm. now that you're part of the Star Wars family, wow. my, my knees buckled and it was like very, very emotional. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I play a role on that now and uh, did, a, did a Carl's Jr. campaign for about a year, hmm. you know, almost a year and a half, where I played the, the nerdy Big Mac in these in their big Carl <laughs> campaign, yeah. Um, so you know, yeah, I love voiceovers. And I'll tell you, at my when when you do voiceovers, you meet actually some of the best actors ever mm-hmm. because they're all character actors that are in the same boat. No. that all would say the same thing that I just said. Like, mm-hmm. I don't get the volume that you know some big fancy pants or some really really good looking person gets. Mm-hmm. So I have to kind of like diversify. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, and uh, and actually, I'm sorry. This is this is going back a little That's bit. Okay. But uh, speaking of voiceover, uh, you did uh, you did a voice in one of my favorite uh, episodes of uh, Batman the Animated Series, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you were Billy the Seal Boy <laughs> in uh, in a Killer Croc episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in which he uh, joins the circus. Yeah, absolutely. I pitched that idea to Christopher Nolan to actually bring <laughs> Billy the Seal Boy into the third installment. But not Croc. He's not going to do Croc, but you can bring Billy the Seal Boy in. Yeah, yeah. He thinks that that's going to be a lot more lifelike. <laughs> Makes we'll, sense to me. And will fit the uh, the landscape a lot better. You know, sometimes people are born <laughs> with flippers. It's just the way it works. Yeah. You know? It's the thing that can happen in real life. But my yeah. flippers are made out of, like, um, Dolce & Gabbana oh, <laughs> exactly. material and... Um, but, uh, yeah, and I really enjoyed that, uh, that episode. And then you were also, I unfortunately, uh, do not watch Glee. Uh, it's one of those things that I believe the first I season do. is on DVD, correct? Yes. Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, you, uh, Jason, you've watched Glee. Yes. And you saw our friend Whit Hertford. I sure your, did. Uh, to your left there. Some good scarf acting. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. No, you know, the funny thing about that, that was a real fluke. Um, uh, I kind of got that, uh, in a real Cinderella way. And um, I actually filled in for a guy. They originally had cast a guy named uh, Cheyenne Jackson, hmm. who's been on 30 Rock. And he's hmm. actually now on this second season of Glee. But he was originally going to be playing that role. And uh, he got sick. And I filled in for him. And uh, couldn't have been more happy to. I think it's funny that Cheyenne Jackson is about six foot tall. 
mm-hmm. and uh, like Hugh Jackman, handsome. Yeah, he's just very, very good looking dude. And uh, that their like runner up replacement was this guy. <laughs> so I think that they could have. I mean, I guess they weren't like really, really stuck. Yeah. In a type, and it could have mm-hmm. gone either way. Yeah. Which is kudos to them that they're willing to like play around. But it was I fun, and, and the scarf the, thing that you said, yeah. like they, I I brought like, a, they said bring all your clothes. So I brought, <laughs> I brought actually a bunch of ascots, and they the costume just, they were like really, and I was like yeah, <laughs> yeah I want to <laughs> I want to do this, and I also told I remember now when I look back at the scenes I'm like man why do you do that? But I have sort of a penchant to make myself look as bizarre as possible mm. on screen so that um where i used to be so that like the real life version mm-hmm. seems like an upgrade to people there you go they're yeah. like oh he's really <laughs> handsome and i fooled them all <laughs> so in that with glee like they what do you want to do with your hair and i was like i want it to look like a toupee and i remember <laughs> i remember the, the, they were like wow this guest star is really weird <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I, I mean, I don't know. I love Dakota Stanley. I wish he could come back. We'll see. I don't know. I was going to say, oddly enough, haven't been back on Glee. No, you <laughs> I know. I the hair thing. No, I mean, it's a huge show, and, like, uh, they, they get a lot of requests. But that was a good episode, though, and I don't think that, like, uh, given, like, the nature of the character, it doesn't seem like someone who is, like, Hugh Jackman good-looking would work as well. And Thank per- you. I mean, I, I, think so. I, I agree. Yeah. Like later in the season, I think they brought in sort of like another like rival with Neil Patrick Harris. Right. And so you would have been literally just doing the same thing. It would have been just a retread. That's right. If they had done that before. Well, we'll see. I mean, Cheyenne's in this season and I know that he play. you know, he's playing basically what he was originally cast as. Um, and so we'll see if they ever do anything with me. I'd love to play his. You know, his, his Robin who is Batman and come in and be like this. I actually felt like Sue Sylvester should be like the Joker and get all of the villains together and have oh, like this awesome. epic episode where, <laughs> that it's, would be awesome. where it's all of us. Um, so Ryan, Ian, Brad Falchuk, if you're listening, you should do that. Now, what was, uh, what was the Glee cast like? Um, you know, because it's fantastic. a show about sort of like outsiders. Yeah. Yeah. Were they very inclusive? I mean, the, the, like of guest stars and things like that? I, I, I mean, I was just so lucky to do it in all facets. Like, lucky to get the gig, A. B, lucky that the role was what it was because it they, like, gave me a ton and let me improvise yeah. a ton. And Excuse me. The writing is so fantastic. Um, so I just lucked out in all sorts of ways. And the other way that I lucked out was that, I mean, I did the third episode, so no one knew what that show was going to be. Right. I mean, they knew it was Ryan Murphy, and so it, you know, they knew it was going to be taken care of and mm-hmm. then it was going to be quality. But you still never know how it's right. going to shake down. And so all those kids were really, like, bright-eyed and, and um, excited. I don't know if they're baby Hermans now and, like, all jaded. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, don't, I have no idea. I haven't been there. But um, I know that when I was there, it was great, and they were very, very inclusive. And, um, and a couple of those kids, like Chris Colfer, uh, I think it was, like, his first thing. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just kind of cool to see people sort of evolve through that mm-hmm. and um and it's just kind of a miraculous show it's doing a bunch of things that uh i don't think anybody ever ever thought would work on network tv and so mm-hmm. you know it's cool to be part of that legacy albeit maybe a one and done you know mm-hmm. yeah um okay well let's uh let's move on to the uh, to the topic <laughs> now we've been going for a half hour which is fine boy glee's pretty funny i have no it's idea a good what you, what comedy i don't uh, <laughs> see where you're going with this 
I was just saying that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Absolutely. I haven't seen it, but I've heard good things. So thanks, Jason. Um, so the topic, uh, <laughs> we got to come up with, y- uh, you need to have yourself, uh, uh, you know, a catchphrase to move the topic along for when you're, uh, you know, a guest host with me. Ha-cha-cha-cha. Let's get into it. No, no I can't say let's get into it. You can't say just... You could just be like, let's keep it going, please. Come that on. Remi- that totally reminds me of Larry Sanders. I was just watching Larry Sanders. and we're like, Hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Hey, now. Moving on. <laughs> uh, that seems uh, inappropriate. It seems vaguely uh, <laughs> like a racial thing. I don't know. That Just the tone of voice. Do you yeah. think they can hear the scowl I'm giving you? I don't right know. Now? You should give it harder. Oh. <laughs> um. So, uh, so to go back a little bit, uh, it would have been great to transition into this uh, about ten minutes ago. Sure, would have been. I had more things to talk <laughs> about. So, uh, you are here uh, out of the goodness of my heart, sir. Why and are you talking to your guests that way? <laughs> that was very mean to say to Wit. I was. I like to keep the guests in line. No, I was pointing at Jason when I said that. Of course, uh, we're very lucky to have uh, Wit Hertford here. Um, so, you were talking about sp- specifically William H Macy and Fargo, right? And you said that one thing, and about the Coen brothers in general, but about his performance specifically, you like it because there are moments of drama, moments of comedy in that performance. Oddly enough, they're not uh, really easy to separate. Like, he's, he's dramatic here, right. now he'll be comedic. Right. It's often the same thing yeah, yeah, yeah. in the exact same line. Yeah, it's you know it's one of those... I had a um, kind of a fantastic uh, acting coach uh, several years ago um, acting teacher, not really a coach. I don't really, mm-hmm. think, yeah. But uh, she's uh, she's English. She worked at the Old Globe in London, and she used to always have this phrase, which was um, put a coat on it. Mm-hmm. And so it would be like, you know, you have when you're do- spe- specifically when you're doing theater work, which mm-hmm. the same rules apply in anything. Yeah, uh, I kind of hate that that topic of like, what's the difference between acting in front of the screen and acting on stage? Like to me, it's like there's some technical differences, mm-hmm. but really. Um, quality should be quality, and all the rules should apply mm-hmm. to, to to both. And mm-hmm. um, so she, yeah, she would say, you know, you take all of these different levels and research and script analysis and character breakdown, you put it in a big, you know, crock pot. And if you don't put a, a coat on it, and if you don't like allow it to kind of simmer and just be, then you're gonna have all these weird spikes mm-hmm. because you've kind of just like inundated yourself with a lot of info. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there, you know, there's plenty of examples of, of when that happens. But 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 that performance in Fargo is an excellent as is. I mean, really, every performance in that Francis McDormand, Steve Buscemi. Yeah. I mean, they all are like so m- nuanced and multi-leveled that um, I mean, I literally have watched that movie 80 times because mm-hmm. it's near perfection for me. Would you classify Fargo as a comedy yeah. or? I mean, it's a dark comedy. I, th- yeah. I think you have to. I think you have to because it's it's a bit misleading if you don't. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, if push came to shove, it would be a comedy. Yeah. I I saw the film um, in high school. I was sixteen. I watched it with my dad, and uh, no, I'm sorry, I was fifteen, and uh, I recommended it to my friends, which is not a smart thing to do. Not to imply no, my yeah. not to imply my friends are stupid or anything like that, or or uh, I don't want to come off as snobbier than I usually do. Um, you just, I mean, you do refer to them as my stupid friends, though. My yeah. dumb friends. Yeah, yeah, sure, I've been in their wedding and all that, but it's just, you know, yeah. just to make my fi- myself feel good because they're so dumb. Um, <laughs> anyway, keep talking about those dummies. No, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, 
and I recommend it. You know, I was I was young and I was kind of dumb myself. That just like, oh, I liked this. This movie was great. I can't even really put my finger on why it was great, but I really loved it. I'll recommend it to all my friends and not tell them anything about it. Yeah, and uh, I did the same thing with In the Bedroom. <laughs> Oh just my god! I gave it an across-the-board oh, recommendation. Can, oh, that is that is such a freaking foul move. <laughs> it really is. That is like misleading galore. I have to assume your friends watch and be like, "Does Jason even want to be our friend?" At this point? <laughs> I don't think he does. I think I, this is the last straw. I feel he's, like he's punishing me for some reason. Um, but yeah, and so my friends they watched Fargo and they just said like it was weird. It was so weird. Yeah. I didn't know how to take it. Like yeah, I think that's a great compliment. I think anytime yeah. somebody can say this is weird and it made me think and it yeah. made me uncomfortable, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a great compliment. There's a lot of moments of discomfort in that in that film, but sure. uh, but I want to use that as a as a jumping off point uh, to to go back to what because you you brought up uh, when we were talking about what the topic would be for for this this week's episode. Um, you brought something up that was interesting to me, and it was and it was kind of spurred by uh, your opinion of Fargo in general and William H Macy's performance specifically, which is when and and you're a you know you're you're an improviser, you're a guy that I associate with comedy, yeah. Um, and so, but that's mainly literally because of my looks. Absolutely. Because I I'm mean, <laughs> when when you were when I saw you standing at my door, I just burst out laughing immediately. And Normally, said, like, yeah. You're not serious with that, are you? I've I have actually been able to be the inventor of what's called the quadruple take. Okay. Oh, People all don't right. just do double or triple takes with me. <laughs> They're so perplexed by my being that they do a quadruple take. And usually it's accompanied with something like, um, is he thirteen or forty seven? <laughs> <laughs> or I this is a true story and I actually wrote this in a script uh, for something I'm doing later, but this is a true story. Sorry to, uh, but it, uh, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, I was at the at the the grocery store one Sunday afternoon, and there was a kid in front of me in line with his mom, and he was buying a bun. They were buying. He was the mom was buying him a bunch of treats, and this kid mm-hmm. was probably like six. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you would think like, oh my gosh, you are being a terrible mother because they were kind of like junk food. But mm-hmm. yeah. he was so cute because he was thanking her for every each and every individual item. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mom, thanks for the go-gurt and thanks for the fruit by the foot. <laughs> <clears throat> thanks for the squeeze-it. And I was like, oh, that's cute. And the kid turned to me and did this quadruple look I speak of Yeah. and turned back to his mom, beat, 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 and went, Mother? Can women grow mustaches and beards? <laughs> <laughs> Which I like. It was like the most Larry David moment of my life. Like I could hear bomb, bomb, bomb. Because my my face read like, man, I thought you were cute, and now I would just really want to tear up your face. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to make you not pretty anymore. Yeah. Um, and for those that uh, for those that uh, don't know, because of course this is an audio uh, podcast, uh, Wit, you are uh, not a tall person. <laughs> I'm not. I don't want to be insulting. This you is know. great. I love. You are I love not seeing him tall. Search yeah. how to do this. How uh, I'm going to throw it to you is how I'm going to do this. There you go. Uh, how tall are you? I'm five foot one, and it's not going any further than <laughs> that. I mean, I'm. That is. I think I'm capped out. Yeah. I think that's it's where I'm staying. Not going anywhere else. I barely, I, I creeped over five foot. And the, I think in the last c- couple weeks, the saddest, you know, I am an adult now, so I can't cry about it every night like I used to. But mm-hmm. um, 
I did have one moment where I went, oh, my life is so weird, was on the news they were like, uh, I don't even know how they said this or what the news report was, but it was like some some story where they said that uh, a child had to be in a car seat until they're four foot nine. And I thought, <laughs> whoa, that's like single digits away from me. Like... I'm literally less than 10 inches from having to be in a car seat. You are four inches away, sir. I'm not good with math either, so I kind of just like approximated. Like, over under. I know it's less than 10. It's less than two feet. Four inch. I'm, I mean, that's like. That's yes, crazy. Yes. So that, that's probably my, you know, I'm not Peter Dinklage, but because uh, I would F that guy up. <laughs> but <laughs> I want to see the kid who's four seven is like better get in the car seat now. <laughs> That's yeah, insane. Yeah, that that kid also um, doesn't have friends. Yeah, yeah. he's homeschooled. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Josh, that's for you. Anyway, we have a friend who is homeschooled, and we like to make fun of him yeah, for it. Um, they barely make it. It's rough, man. That ain't that the truth. <laughs> it's Go hard listen to my uh, more than one lesson episode with Josh Long. You'll see what I'm talking about. Oh, um, you sure will. Please, just anybody listen to my other show, please. <laughs> it's, it has so few listeners. I need. We promise it, he doesn't talk about McGee and Me in it. You know what? It is a Christian-related show. Oh my gosh! I might talk about McGee and Me. I'm not going to. Um, I think we should cover the series. N- absolutely, we'll find it on DVD. Is it on DVD? I can't imagine it is. I didn't think so. Um, but focus uh, on the family does not believe in DVDs. <laughs> is the reason. Now, laser now disc. They are on board. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything smaller than that is somehow the devil's work. I don't know how. <laughs> but, um, Just look at the music industry. <laughs> They're exactly. MP3s. Exactly. Ever since they moved away from cassette tape, they really, uh, that's when rap got involved. That crap wouldn't have uh, played on cassette. Anyway, so that was a weird tangent to take. Uh, oh, that's delightful. Where was I headed? Ah, yes. So, so we're talking about you as a as a comedic performer primarily, right. um, and uh, come on now, let's not rule out the possibility that some days uh, someone's going to remake every Peter Lorre film, and they'll need somebody. Oh wow! And that's you. Oh, and I, that's a compliment, by the way. No, I love Peter I take Lorre. that. No, thank you. I would, right. That would be really fun. If they ever remake the Maltese Falcon, I'll. Yes, I'll, definitely. Oh yes. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, I'll take a break from uh, being infuriated by the remake, and then I'll be like, "Hey, Whit Hertford's in uh, the somebody, Joel Pyro role." Somebody wrote a thing on on some blog the other day for like for Judd Apatow, Judd Apatow to do a remake of Police Academy, hmm. and put me in as the Tim Sweet Chuck. No, the nerd. The nerd. Tim Kazarinsky played is that Sweet the Chuck? character's name is Sweet Chuck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Man, that would work really well. I was pretty stoked about it. I Absolutely. Was like, I was like, "Get Apatow on the horn." <laughs> Um, but, uh, so you're a, you know, I think of you as a, as a comedic guy and you, uh, and your topic was one that was interesting to me because I hadn't really thought of it before. Um, because when it comes to specifically a comedic performance, right. uh, there is kind of a, kind of an axiom that, uh, the drama is easy to do and comedy is hard. And sure. so, uh, a person can be a dramatic actor you know all they want but that doesn't mean they can immediately do comedy but then of course there's also the attitude that if somebody does comedy they're not going to be considered a serious actor quote unquote uh until they delve into drama a little bit right and it's a really interesting uh kind of dichotomy there but uh but you were bringing up the role that uh the for lack of a better term the role that realism or at least 
rooting comedy in reality, yeah. uh, especially as far as a performance goes, yeah. how that can... That's how some of, in your opinion, some of the best and certainly some of your favorite comedic performances, what may, that's how it makes them work. Yep. And I would say, uh, to, to jump off from William H. Macy in Fargo, that in my, I, I think you're absolutely right with him. It's, I think it's why his performance works because he has to walk a fine line between drama and comedy. Yeah. But by just saying like, you know what? This character is so, so impotent. Right. Uh, as far as the circumstances surrounding him, sure. that that impotent rage can be both incredibly dramatic, but incredibly funny. Yeah. So mm-hmm. all I need to do is look at what that would look like in real life, and the comedy will come, as will the drama. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Macy is a disciple of of, of David Mamet mm-hmm. and their their pals, and they've they go way way back with the Atlantic Theater Company. And Mamet's whole kind of mantra, although I'm not like. A mammodite myself. I kind of like believe in um, everything. Mm-hmm. Throw it all in a big crock pot. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his main thing, you know, is that you don't really do any affectations. You just mm-hmm. say the words and you mm-hmm. just be there. And and Macy does that. You know, another great example. My like, I don't know. I would say uh, it's. I, I can't even rank them, but it's definitely in my top five, if not three. <clears throat> is Tenenbaums and Gene Hackman, who pretty mm-hmm. much up until that movie. Maybe you could, you could argue, you know, s- stuff with Lex Luthor in, in Superman, mm-hmm. but heartbreakers. Uh, yeah, I get shorty. He's good and get shorty. Although his character isn't a big laugh getter. But didn't Tenenbaums come out? Two thousand one. Two thousand one. Get shorty was ninety five. Wow. I'm so heartbreakers. I believe was two thousand. Okay. Yes, it was. So maybe For it's the, not a perfect example. Stop bringing up heartbreakers. <laughs> what is your problem? But I think <laughs> the point of that being is that what Gene Hackman does in Tenenbaums. Is completely 100%, although stylized, mm. as a Wes Anderson film always is, he's playing it completely real. He's yeah. playing the devastation of losing his family mm. and having trouble getting it back. And he's hilarious yeah. Yeah. in it from top to bottom, but the pathos mm-hmm. is still there. It's still underlining it so that you have a moment which is maybe one of my favorite screen moments that's... Is a, you blink and you miss it. It's at the very end of the movie. I know the one you're talking about. And it's about. with him and Ben Stiller. Yep. Mm-hmm. When Ben Stiller said, I had a rough day. And it breaks me. Yeah. Or Doesn't it's been he say, a, it's I, been a rough year. It's been a rough year. year. Yeah, rough yeah. Year. Yeah. yeah, excuse me. And, and Ben Stiller's the same way. Like, same I mean, exact thing. I mean, he really does play in every scene. You can connect them through his worry about what's going to happen to his family pain. because yeah, of what happened the pain. to his wife. Like, yeah. That his character is so rooted in that that he can be extreme and can force his kids to do these fire drills and things like <laughs> exactly. that. Yeah, yeah. And, exactly. And we buy it. I mean, you know, because it is rooted in that worry. I'll tell you another good example that kind of, um, although this is definitely would be titled much more of, of a comedy project, mm-hmm. but to me is a good um, example of, of kind of this great balance is any Christopher Guest stuff. Uh, well, I would say out, outside of Spinal Tap, but mm. you know, in a mighty win, that whole dynamic between Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy, yeah, is works yeah. in in that way only because both of those people are playing real circumstances, real yeah. wants, real wi- yeah. risks, um, and and Eugene Levy is doing a really weird voice. Yeah, and a, it's a weird character, but not for a second 
do you ever feel like he is at least I don't maybe it's just me but I don't I'm never taken out as an audience member and going oh look at Eugene Levy being cute yeah he never does that the 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 motivations and the the beats that he he is playing are completely real and that's why you can that's that's why you can buy the oh yeah exactly. like he's doing exactly. that sound a little more uh a little Jerry Lewis esh <laughs> as I was just saying, but uh, but just that because he, he's dressed weird, he's doing a weird voice, and if he had not committed to, as you say, the circumstances yeah. as a real emotional thing, yeah. if he had not committed to that, I would venture to say the character would be insufferable. Well, and you know, what? if you look at like, <laughs> if you if you can YouTube this, and it's just as like a, a personality study, it's kind of fascinating to me. I watched. Um, uh, Christopher Guest's interview with Charlie Rose, which is painful because um, Charlie Rose wants sound bites. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not like this where it's like free form. He wants yeah. like, give me, give me a great quote so that I can cut this together really His slick. questions are also so very long. So very long. <laughs> like you can get lost in that question. <laughs> There's like three or four parts to them. And exactly. I actually like Charlie Rose a lot. And, <laughs> of course and you do. Christopher Guest is a man of few words, and he's also not like a guy that's going to put it on. He's yeah. not going to all of a sudden be like, oh, he's not Robin Williams. And I love Robin Williams. But Robin Williams likes turning it on and, and entertaining you. Mm-hmm. And Christopher Guest is just not that personality. Yeah. And so <laughs> what, the, what that says to me is like, this guy takes what he does real, real seriously. Mm-hmm. And if he was just a dramatic actor, Christopher Guest, he yeah. may be a pain in the ass. But the, the fact that he works in comedy and in this hybrid. Yeah. It works. It fuses yeah. together and it works. And I think if you even go further back, kind of talking about Christopher Guest and, and his, his personality as, as a person, uh, reminds me of what many people said about Peter Sellers. Yes. In that. Yes. And he, I mean, he's an actor that Look did at all, him in being there. Yeah. That's on my list. It's as That's it should fantastic. be. Yeah. And then all three roles in Dr. Strangelove. Yeah. Okay. Admittedly, one is crazier than the others. Which is the role of Dr. Strangelove. Right. But sort of the other two, in terms of Peter Sellers as an actor, the other two almost ground the third. Ex- yes. Exactly. Where it's just, uh, but they're still funny in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, one of the funniest, as funny as the character of Dr. Strangelove is, and he is funny, uh, the president's phone conversation with the Russian premier. Right. Oh, yeah. Is to me the, one of the funniest things ever. Like I did it as a as a audition monologue in, in mm-hmm. high school yeah. because it was hilarious to me. It was oh, that wow. is the funniest thing, and just and he, I I always will latch on to, not even a line because the line itself is only so funny, but the way somebody delivers a line, and uh, and when Peter Sellers says, he goes one of our base commanders. He had his sort of well, he went a little funny in the head. He goes, and uh, he went and did a silly thing. Well, I'll tell you what he did. And just the way <laughs> yeah. he just says it, he's just sugarcoating it all so much. Yeah. And, of course, he's also letting the comedy come from what we imagine the Russian guy is saying. Yeah. yeah. It's absolutely. really and, – and that's – and because, because he's playing the reality of what a phone conversation is, that's where a lot of the comedy comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, in that same film, uh, an- another way I think that you can get – in like a uh, a level of realism usually it doesn't just come from like a piece of business mm-hmm. but if you turn a piece of business into something that is ingrained in the character and is habitual in the character mm. like George C Scott's gum chewing yep absolutely <laughs> absolutely that that thing defines his character and all of the looks he gives while chewing that gum <laughs> yeah like, absolutely 
that is, that is some of the funniest stuff ever. And like you think, like, oh, that's George Scott. That's Patton. Like, yeah. It doesn't seem like he should be able to be that funny, doing something <laughs> that could be like over the top and stupid. And you know, you know that. I mean, that's a credit to everybody kind of allowing for those things to happen. I, I imagine that. You know that the Kubrick like really, really sort of mm-hmm. embraced that, yeah, and um, and was not a dictator in saying like uh, cut that out or yeah. let's lose that in the editing booth. Um, it's it's a really David and I have said for a long time that like George C. Scott is kind of the unsung hero of that film. Peter sure. Sellers gets a lot of uh, yeah gets a lot of play as does uh, like a Sterling Hayden. Isn't doesn't he have the great line about the Coke machine? Yeah, yeah. Oh, hang on, what Coke machine is that? No, I, the line. I, th- I think I know what you're talking about. Well, there's Keenan Wynn plays the, the security guard who's like, you're going to have to answer to the Coca-Cola okay, company. Okay, that's who it is. Okay, Keenan Wynn, does, yeah. Who does Sterling Hayden play again? He plays General Ripper, the guy who's talking about our precious bodily fluids. Oh, that's it, yeah. <laughs> but I love that Coke machine line. Oh, it's, oh, it's Because it's like, it's, such a, it's like such a small-scale line yeah. in the face of, you know, yeah. global annihilation. Yeah, that's a great performance, too. But, but I think George C. Scott... Is kind of he's he really is uh, you know uh, delivering great work and he kind of just gets almost swallowed up uh, by uh, over time people don't think of his performance as that amazing but you really do feel like he's like all right how do I play this character pops a piece of gum in his mouth like I got it yeah I, I got it <laughs> I am this guy yeah it's uh, yeah and you're absolutely right is he doesn't emphasize the gum the gum just becomes. An extension of what he's thinking and feeling. Exactly. It's re- exactly, <laughs> which is a weird sentence I never thought I would say. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Now you may, Jason. I, I got a whole I, big I, old list here. I applaud you uh, all the time. Uh, whenever you're a guest host, you always do a lot of research, and uh, we're not, of course, going to get to all oh, of no, it. No. But I like to hear what I you, like what to you have, have to a say. master list that Absolutely. I can pick and choose from. <laughs> um, we've been talking about sort of like some classic films and some very almost like. More subtle films, I mm-hmm. think, but I think this rule can apply to big films. We brought up Robin Williams. I won't talk about it much, but I think his character in Mrs. Doubtfire yep. actually does that, Absolutely. even yeah. with all the craziness. Um, I think Matt Damon's character in The Informant as Mark Whitaker, oh, yeah. like, sure. uh, although that's sort of a better one. But I want to talk about Anchorman. Oh, okay, okay, because I actually really like and. Uh, I, I think Will Ferrell has, to some extent, gotten away from this a little bit, but his performance as Ron Burgundy, mm. and he is playing like he starts with the I, idea. I mean, have you seen the other guys? Did Did you, I haven't seen the other guys. Okay, he is he I is mean, he coming back? I think he's fantastic, but that's pretty much back to to form. It, okay, good. It's a, it's a fantastic movie. I saw it three times, and wow. it's a kind of classic Will Ferrell straight man. Okay, um, and that's something we haven't seen which, in a little while. Which, when he does straight man, it's crazy man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because <laughs> what Will Ferrell has, and the way the best way I can describe it is, these kind of these kind of actors, and there's a lot of actresses. We're talking about a lot of dudes, and I don't want to sound like you know. I've got Renee Zellweger on my list. Really? That, but that's a different list. <laughs> For that's, that, that's not the, the you just have yeah, a that's list not broad of, comedy. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's a li- it's a list of just chicks. broad comedy. Uh, Wait, that's fine, broads. That's good, I got it. Uh, there's um, probably a better way to phrase that as a punchline, but that's fine. Go on. But what was I going to say? Yeah, uh, he has this factor. Will Ferrell has this factor. I think um, Fred Armisen has it now. You know, I'm thinking of SNL guys currently. Mm-hmm. SN, uh, Will Forte had it. Where <clears throat> I don't know. I, I I guess it's just the actors that I like a lot. 
if there's an, a level of unpredictability to them, mm-hmm. and, and that's what Will Ferrell brought to the game that not a lot of people since Steve Martin, mm-hmm. where they can come in and play leading men and sort of like lovable all-American, yeah. but they still have that wink and that crazy mm-hmm. in their eye that you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and there's a lot of guys that try to do that, and it either looks very, very um, forced, forced, or they miss it, and they try to be too subtle. So then there's it gets kind of really blasé. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that uh, Farrell and Anchor. Well, if you're not careful, the wink becomes what it is. Yep. Is yeah. you saying like, "Look, I, we all know I'm about to do something crazy, right?" I like have an example of that as well. Okay. But I wanted to talk about specifically what he's doing in Anchorman. Is essentially he's starting with like an inflated ego of a local celebrity. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, like, if you watch, like, especially the beginning of the film, he's just making, like, these side comments, and he's got the tone down. Even though, like, his look is exaggerated, the mustache is exaggerated, because he's got that tone, he can go to a lot of insane places. And so I was thinking about, like, the inflated eagle of a local celebrity. Bill Murray starts at that same place in Groundhog Day. And those are such different performances and you can like you can mold that element of realism into so many different kinds of comedy. And I was also thinking Nicolas Cage does it in The Weatherman, an even mm-hmm. more subtle, slight comedy. Yeah. So like that element. How funny is he in adaptation though? Oh my so gosh! So funny. Yeah. Oh, he's that is one of that's one of my favorite comedies along with uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. See, and that's another thing. I can people, watch those movies every go, day. Is this a comedy? Of course it is. Yeah. yeah. Of course. And it the is. difference, the different levels. Like, the different bits of truth that he's got for Donald and yeah. for Charlie. Oh, yeah. Because Donald could have seemed like, oh, clearly the writer and director and the actor, clearly they all hate Donald. Yeah. They all hate his attitude. <laughs> right. They hate what he represents. Flowers for Algernon? In <laughs> but in actuality, I think there's tremendous affection for Donald. They Absolutely. Understand. Like, I almost feel like the, the realism. There's not supposed to be, though. The, uh, according to Charlie Kaufman, really? there is not supposed to be real effect. Like, you're supposed to see the end of the movie as having been written by Donald and ruined. But yeah. Nicolas Cage plays him right. with such, uh, for lack of a better word, tenderness yes. that, it's like, that I you can't, come to love him. Like, yeah. I can't play a character, you know, when I say I, I'm talking about a, an yeah. actor, not me specifically. But, like, you know, I can't play a character I hate yeah. or, just, or just have absolutely no respect for because then... You're not. You're not going to play the realism. You're going to play no. whatever you can to get other people to hate him. Well, too. actually, actually, Philip Seymour Hoffman. One time, I remember um, he. I believe it was. I used to really. I'm going to admit something that now is not that cool to admit. But I used to be sort of a diehard with Inside the Actor Studio, mm-hmm. and then it just like totally jumped the shark. The moment it jumped the shark for me is when John Travolta was on there, <laughs> which was cool, and then they ended by like. Now let's talk about basic. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding? And basic was just coming out. And uh, that was the whole reason he was on there. Right, no, right. It, 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 Phyllis Schumer Hoffman, when he was on, you know, of course, what I love about most of that interview is, you know, it's just a lot of it. <laughs> it's like James Lipton trying to follow a lot of this stuff. <laughs> but at one point, um, he talks about, I think he brings up happiness, the movie Happiness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's a pretty, like, filthy character. Yeah. And Although, oddly enough, not the filthiest in the film. Not the filthiest That's in the really film. something. Yeah. But what he said kind of echoes back to what you're saying. Yeah. Was he said, I don't judge any of these characters. I don't put any sort of, like, critique yeah. on these characters. And, and if I did that, then I would 
mm-hmm. I'd be messing up yeah. my road. I'd be really making a lot of work and nonsense for myself. Yeah. And that's, I mean, people that get that, I think, are the people that are a lot better off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a hard, I, you know, it's admittedly like a really hard to, place to be, to, to look at a script, you know, and, and every actor, when, they, when, when they're doing something, at least unless it's something that you really hate, mm-hmm. you, you do take ownership with it. Yeah. And you do fall in love with that character, and yeah. you do assume that being. But it takes an extra person to look at, like, let's say, I don't know, I mean, I know Robin Williams said when he did One Hour Photo, which isn't the greatest movie, but when he did that, he was like, you know, I didn't, I didn't judge that guy. I tried yeah. to, in fact, see where he was coming from and why he did what he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, that, and that's, uh, that takes an extra special kind of artist, I think, to, yeah. to look past all sorts of flaws. Yeah, and you hope that, like, a film isn't going to judge a bunch of characters, but, like... A film can have a perspective about all of them, right. but if the actors do, then it like it sort of gets in the way of what the film may be trying to say. Then right. it's, it it lacks honesty at that point. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's odd because Jason, neither you nor myself, would I don't know what your opinion is of uh, Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> I am not a fan of it. Neither am I. Uh, but I think the actors do a good job. Like I think their level of commitment, like lesser actors, would have really completely ruined that movie for me actually those guys are actually good friends of mine. oh are they okay <laughs> yeah because i lived in utah for a spell before that um, okay before that they were all very famous mm-hmm. and so uh that is it jared hess jared's the right? director and yeah, yeah right and then and, and then, then john hitter john yeah. hitter and aaron who plays kip yeah. who i think is you know a real big factor of that movie's success yeah his performance is kip um, and I can tell you, just knowing those guys, mm. the, the reason you have what you have on screen there and yeah. why it worked, um, and, and there were so many reasons why it should not have worked, mm-hmm. but the reason it did work and it caught lightning in a bottle is because there was no expectation. Yeah. Jared, because I worked with Jared um, mm. on, on several commercials and he is a friend of mine. Like, he, he puts you in a very comfortable situation. Mm. It's all about the fun. John and Aaron are also very like-minded that way, too, where they're yeah. all about the fun. So they don't come, you know, we're talking about, like, a lot of theory <laughs> Right, here. yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, you need to kind of just put that away mm-hmm. and just enjoy what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you enjoy what you're doing, even if it's, like, a heavy dramatic scene, if you can, like, enjoy what that's about, mm-hmm. yeah. then it's always going to be translated on screen. Yeah. The audience is always going to see that Mm -hmm. you know sitcoms have a really tough time because a lot of the times people that get on sitcoms have been in uh you know 12 failed pilots yeah so they're like they're already defeatists they're Mm -hmm. like i'm doing this show and it's not going to get picked up yeah and so they're not having fun and and especially if it's like um you know and especially if it's material that they don't like that much Mm -hmm. like yeah when people are acting for a paycheck you're, it, you're, it's really tough for you to get a good performance out of that. You know, you bring up Bill Murray. Bill Murray only did Zombieland because he thought it would be really, really fun. Yeah. And you can see it on every frame of that guy's oh, face. Absolutely. That he's like, I'm in an effing zombie movie. Yeah. This is great. And I, get, and I get to just, like, riff. And you could see in Woody Har- Harrelson's face in that movie, him, you could see, like, with the Garfield line. He's like, I love that he just said that. You know, yeah. they all yeah. are having a great time. Yeah. And at the end of the day, actors look really, really stuffy and sort of like full of themselves and sort of pre- pretentious. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Bring it back to the tile. And, and, and I think the good ones are the ones that 
they know the tools, they know the craft, mm-hmm. but they're not douchebags about it. Yeah, because I mean, I guess I guess in in life we will all you know we all kind of judge ourselves about one thing or another, but in actuality, it's it is kind of that that old uh, idea of nobody is the is the villain in their own in their own life. Yeah, right. and so you have to. So if you're going to play a character. Just loving the character is almost a way of rooting it in reality because right. we we do love ourselves even when we hate ourselves. It's because we're it's usually because we're so disappointed in yeah. this person we love so much. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so yeah, that like a level of commitment, and that's like I said, I'm not a huge fan of Napoleon Dynamite, but I do like all those actors because it would have been so easy to judge the character of Napoleon or the Absolutely. or the the uncle or or any of that. And um, if you had gotten Hollywood actors to mm-hmm. do those roles, it would have looked like a really, really like bad mad TV sketch. Yeah, yeah. that's what it would have been. Yeah, um, but uh, and you know what? I have been thinking and rolling over in my mind like, and we talked about this with with Paula Tompkins a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago that uh, there aren't a lot of, you know, there aren't a lot of like overtly comedic females out there. I hate mm-hmm. to put it that way, but it's just there's not a lot of opportunities. I think. Um, and so, uh, so I do want to, but I do want to touch on it a little bit. Now you mentioned Renee Zellweger for, I, I would say for Bridget Jones's diary okay, uh-huh. and for nurse Betty. I do like nurse Betty. I think those are two really great comedic performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and of course, I mean, uh, you know, I do like Amy Poehler and on parks and rec, Yeah, you know, she really, I mean, honestly, her character's like the female Michael Scott. I mean, yeah, it's pretty obvious. We all know that. Yeah, but but you know what? That that's just because that's Amy too. And the yeah. second season, which is a, a really a, I a love great Rec, season. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, they really have found like kind of their mode. Mm-hmm. Um, is because they I don't know who did this if this was a conscious effort or whatever. But like you can see Amy kind of getting back to her instincts mm-hmm. oh, and not good. feeling like you know like the the reins were loosened a little bit mm-hmm. yeah. from whoever and um and. So it's not really her fault that it looks that way. It's just because, yeah, like, yeah. everybody's going like to everybody's gonna have to follow yeah. Steve Carell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And it's and it's one of those things, Which like... That's a whole other episode. If you want to talk Ricky Gervais, I could talk for about seven That's right. I forgot, I forgot that you... Uh, he's we'll my, touch on that briefly. He's my Woody Allen, Mel Brooks. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and so, like, she... Her character is is very similar in the writing to Michael Scott, but the reason her character works is the same reason Michael Scott works because yep. she she's doing what what we're talking about. And of course, because of the style of those of mm. those shows, you have to root it in, re- in reality, an emotional yeah. reality of some yeah, kind. Yeah, absolutely. And so And but how many times does someone try to like do another version of a same character and it doesn't work? Oh yeah. Because they're just like, "Oh, this thing works. I'll be a stupid boss." Yeah, and yeah. it's not it's not funny yeah, they because they're pieces. just trying to be stupid. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they, and and it, it takes. I mean, it's it's weird because to do what like Amy Poehler or really anybody on those you those know who's types the of shows, female comedian on TV who is besides that? Amy, I guess right now. For me, I feel like Kaylin Olson and It's Always Sunny. Oh, oh. she's brilliant. <laughs> she's just brilliant. She's really underrated, and and she kills. In fact, for my money, her and Charlie Day should have their own like Get Smart, <laughs> and it would destroy. <laughs> Um, they are and that's so good. because they really, as kooky as they are, as kooky mm-hmm. as those premises are, not only are they having so much fun with it, that's another thing. Yeah. Is like, I think, and I, 
from what I understand, I've never really like spent a great deal of time with Will Ferrell, but mm-hmm. from what I know, it's like he does try to make the other people laugh in the yeah. room, which to a like trained, really intense actor, that can seem like um, kind of jerking around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, there's a purpose to that. There's yeah. a wisdom to that. Mm-hmm. The wisdom to that is that then everybody, not only do you get genuine reactions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because then everybody's wondering what the other person's going to do yeah. and nothing's planned and nothing's yeah. quote unquote scripted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then you also get this glint and glimmer in each other's eyes and it's playing yeah. and it's fun. And the audience always is going to respond to that. They're yeah. always going to risk. They don't want to see people working. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't want to see people making art. Mm-hmm. No one wants to watch that. <laughs> and um, they just want to see the art. They just want to see yeah. the final product. They don't really want to see how, wh- how like, muddy you had to tretch through to get there. Yeah. They just want to see that you enjoyed the travel. Um, now, we're probably going to... That's out of my book, by the way. Oh, okay. Absolutely. <laughs> Enjoy the travel. Enjoy the travel. By, uh, schmacting what? by Whit Hertford. <laughs> Acting schmacting. <laughs> yeah. Make faces, not choices. Respect for the schmacter. I used to I said, like, <laughs> off Uda Hagen's book. And I remember there was... Uh, now, uh, Jason, uh, you and your friends back in college had a joke about the various... Uh, just, hey, here's... Uh, acting's not that hard. Here's a few key tips. What are some of those tips? <laughs> well, <laughs> make faces, not choices. Right. Voices, not choices. Yeah. Acting, schmacting. Yeah. And uh, I, I like the art of the take. Okay. Because you got, you got the, the chew take. Yeah. You got the drop take. You got okay. the spit take. Yeah. You got the world's largest take. Yeah. Which I will demonstrate now. Where'd she go? Like that. <laughs> you just that was for stup- us. Yeah, that was for you guys. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, all those sort of. I like the kick take. Where sure. you just randomly kick someone. Sure. As a reaction. <laughs> And then there's literally also, anything can be a take. <laughs> and, I, and I do, I do recall uh, a, a good, a good rule of thumb that you told me is, uh, and I, I kept this in mind when I acted in your film. Sure, uh, volume equals drama. Volume equals drama. You know, that's <laughs> it's ju- it's true as it's true as it's true. Absolutely, you know, it's no kind of funny. About it. I don't really know this guy, and I, w- but whatever. I, I saw uh, <laughs> Brian Dennehy in uh, Death of a Salesman. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh huh. Oh boy, I want to say like eight, nine years ago here in LA, maybe even longer. And he's Willie Loman. If I was a reviewer for the L.A. Times, it would have been this. <laughs> Brian Dennehy was really loud. <laughs> he just yelled the entire time, and it was awful. I really, really like... Such amazing intensity. It destroyed mm. me. And I went... There's one thing about like projecting when you're yeah. in a space... But that was insane. I saw uh, Frost Nixon in New York yeah. when it was Michael Sheen and Frank Langella. Sure. And the like last part, have you seen it? Yeah. Okay. So so we've all seen it. The last like part where Nixon is sort of like being honest for the first time. Right. Mm-hmm. It was barely above a whisper. And I was in like the back of the house wow. and it was like it was so crisp and so clear. You heard every word of it. That's hmm. amazing. And like, it, th- it is the perfect counterexample to what yeah. you were saying. Um, but uh, so I do want to. Uh, I do want to start wrapping up. But uh, may I give one more example, Jason? You can give one more example, and I'm going to throw it to our guest to talk about Ricky Gervais, and then we're going to okay. wrap. Then we're going to be done. Okay. okay. What's your example? So Go. my example is again, of course, a complex example. Okay. It is the. F- Everyone in the film, Tropic Thunder. Okay. And I would like to, to, uh, to pose a matchup. Okay. Which is 
Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder versus Ben Stiller yeah. in Tropic Thunder. Okay. One of these this is, gonna get sticky. is the way to do it correctly. One of these is not. Okay. Who do you think it is? It's not a tough question. I'm going to say... You're wrong. You know what? I vote it's Jack Black... Jack Black's sort of in the middle. He's kind of I in the middle. I think he fares better than Ben than Ben Stiller does. Yeah. Like, has anyone seen the Ben Stiller show where he is like he does like a, a Die Hard? Yeah, yeah, preview? absolutely, absolutely. That's it's perfect. He does a great job in that, but that's essentially the level he's on the entire film. He's mm-hmm. in like Sketchland, where yeah. it sort of is just like impersonation. Whereas Robert Downey Jr. completely inhabits Kirk Lazarus. Yeah, he's really kind of. Cr- it sounds. Terrible! It really, he really is crafting a performance. Whereas yeah. Ben Stiller, you're absolutely right. It, it does kind of have a sketchy feel, where it's just like this performance. This is a two hour long film. Yeah, you know, like I don't know if you can play this note and it the works whole time. Like for fifteen I actually, minutes, I actually like hate that movie. You really you hate? Tra- I okay, actually really. hate that. Do you movie. even hate uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s performance? No, I can I can respect that alone, okay. but it's not enough for me to like want to watch that movie ever again yeah because i can kind of understand that for one yeah. for like one it. it's a it's a blatant three amigos ripoff yeah it kind of is yeah look at the script structure yeah. it's a blatant three amigos ripoff which to me is you don't that's like that's like sacrilege to mess with three amigos <laughs> um it is and secondly i loathe the tom cruise character loathe uh, it the, not because he's filthy the character or honestly i the way he plays the character. It's one and the same for me. I don't think okay. they're mutually exclusive because I feel like him doing... Okay, so let's break that down real right. quickly. Him doing that character is a total Hollywood like, hey, check out this smooth one we're going to do. Yeah. And if Tom Cruise ever hears this, fight me. I don't give a shit because I totally <laughs> will stand by this 100%. Okay. My money's on whip. Yeah. I'm scrappy. I'll knock you out. Um, <laughs> Mama gonna knock you out. And he's, and he's like, he'll be thinking weird like Scientology stuff while I'm knocking him in. <laughs> he, he won't know it hit him So I still like Tom Cruise uh, It's like a total like Hollywood going Hey Tom So you've been wanting to do comedy right? And he's like yeah no. They're like alright What if you do this? Or Maybe that's not how it happened Maybe it was like Hey Ben Stiller Let's do something funny yeah. What if I play this and it'll be a real send up on Hollywood producers Because I'm so different than those skis bags A.K.A. you're not I'm on board with you, and I've said it a million times on the show before, but I'll repeat it because you haven't heard it. Um, I'm a little put off that you haven't listened to my show. It's fine. <laughs> um, I applaud you. Yeah. You know what? It, yeah, He's actually, getting his own movie, by the way. The Less Gross I know. Movie. Isn't I know. that disgusting? Which is the worst. Yeah. Because, and that's the whole thing is that that character could have been funny. Like, you could have kept the lines, and they would have been funny. But you give them to a Paul Giamatti or oh. a Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, yeah. And all but of a sudden... But it's still a small-dose character. Very much so. Yeah. That character... Yeah. What on earth are they going to do for 90... Let's... You know what? I'll be... Con- 80 minutes. Comedies can be 80 minutes. Yeah. What are they going to do with that character for 80 minutes? But you know what? The the uh, All today, and we can put this in the time vault, people will still go see it. Because this is what will happen. I won't. They will, they will bring it out in a week when nothing else is going on. Yeah. Okay? And B... They will do something else insane. Betty White will have a topless scene or something insane <laughs> that will right, also bring will people it. in. Yeah, you, you lost me, then you got me back <laughs> with that Betty White. Thing. There is, uh, you know, I won't. We we got to finish up. Um, so I'll, I'll move on with 
with our good friend Ricky Gervais, who uh, oh, he's your no, good this friend. Is Whit. He's, I'm, he's I'm, our best friend. He's well, he's a fellow podcaster. We're all kind of friends. <laughs> you guys, you all go to <laughs> the same family reunion. Exactly. You know, we go to the we go to the uh, PodCon. You bring the green Jello. So it's oh, it, Danny. It's the best. Um, but uh, so when when you and I were talking, and uh, of course we can't spend a lot of time on this, but uh, you were very passionate about your love. Of Ricky Gervais, yeah, uh, especially in regards to what we're discussing, which is grounding things in reality and yeah. letting, in his case, the laughs, the laughs are cathartic. You need to laugh, otherwise, <laughs> you're going to put a gun in your mouth yeah. because it's so awkward. Yeah, that's my own personal yeah. interpretation, by the way. Yeah. Um, what uh, what is it that uh, called your attention to him? I assume it was The Office. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he. I feel like that show, and I mean, it was like. How do you, how do you fall? I was n- really nervous with extras. Really nervous. Like mm-hmm. this could be such a sophomore slump, and if it is, it's gonna like dash my dreams. And it wasn't. And it just, I mean, it just it's kind of like a British sensibility that th- they don't over Americanize mm-hmm. anything. Meaning they don't draw things out for seven seasons. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, uh, even their reality shows like. In, in the UK, like we've been watching this one called The Choir, where like you get more. It follows like a choir master with a, a choir, usually kids or like some like ghetto neighborhood or something. Mm-hmm. And in one episode of their their show is more info than you get in seven episodes of American Idol or whatever you know mm-hmm. uh, that we have over here. And but with Ricky Gervais, I, I feel like I'm still learning. I feel like mm. I haven't really figured it out entirely. Yeah. And I'm so diehard that, like, I feel like I'll probably never figure it all out. And mm-hmm. I kind of don't know if I want to. But um, all I know is that his thing is that it's kind of a lot of what we've talked about. Not only is it rooting it in reality, but he also really just wants to have fun. Yeah. yeah. And he um, also is not afraid to say things. Um, and sometimes it doesn't work like in the invention of lying. It doesn't work because mm. it gets a little preachy, but, yeah. um, in the office and in the extras, it's, it's perfection. And, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that man is uh, like a crown jewel. I just, I, I adore yeah. him. It, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, I never would have expected, I, I felt the same way about extras, like. I never would have expected to like it as much as I did. And I actually, I think, may, probably just as a function of, you know, liking movies and being into movies and things like that, I actually like it better. Yeah, than the Which Office. is crazy. I, I think The Office has probably a fuller range of characters, but, but I, I love extras so much more than I ever thought I would. Yeah, I just, I mean, and I, I guess I love, um, I just, I mean, I love Martin Freeman so much. It blows my mind that that yeah. man is not more famous than. than no. He. I hear he may play Bilbo Baggins, which I stepped down so that he could do that. Very <laughs> uh, kind of you. Uh, I actually, yeah, and that's a long story, but I did actually audition for The Hobbit. The maybe, maybe not going to happen Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was a crazy, crazy experience. And I met Guillermo del Toro afterward, after he was replaced, and he said. You'd make a perfect Bilbo Baggins. And it was like, he had already been replaced, so it was like bittersweet, because yeah. it was like, hmm. well, I guess that's the silver lining. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then he goes, weren't you in Glee? <laughs> <laughs> this is true. And I went, Guillermo del Toro is a Glee fan. That's incredible. <laughs> when are you coming back? And I went, what? And he goes, I thought you were going to be this, like, pen ultimate villain, and that you were going to, like, fight each other. And I'm, it's dead serious. I'll show you. I mean, 
it was it was an amazing, amazing <laughs> moment. I went, you know what? Even if I never go back to Glee, even if I never do The Hobbit, I know that Guillermo del Toro is a fan, and that is pretty amazing. I think when the when the Hobbit gets made and it gets released in theaters, you should do your best to go to every single <laughs> show and yell out. Guillermo del Toro said I should play this role. No, no, Just no. Just let no, it no. on and let everyone no, know. I mean, if Martin Should've Freeman, been me. somebody like Martin Freeman gets it, I mean, I'll be the biggest fan in the world because, I, again, I just, I think it's incredible. I mean, and I love a lot of the American Office. I think, that, I mean, of course, they've worked really hard and they've put cranked out episode after episode mm-hmm. and they've really strung together amazing storylines. But mm-hmm. no offense to Rain Wilson or anything, but there's stuff that, like, Mackenzie Crook does as Gareth yeah. that, like, is just so nuanced, mm-hmm. so nuanced and private and intimate. And that's the difference is like there's a real privacy and intimacy. And I love that Don and Tim's relationship for two seasons and an episode takes you so many places. Yeah. And it was resolved in the most poetic, mm-hmm. musically sound way yeah. possible. I mean, it kind of like makes me super emotional and I, I, I love it. Well, now stop, stop crying. <laughs> Use my shirt as a tissue. Sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it. Re- I, I I agree with you. I, I really know what you're saying when you say like, uh, Charlie, get away from him. He's allergic. You know what he's saying when he says, Charlie, get away from him. He's allergic. I love that line. Um, but uh, I know truth in it. I know what you're uh, what you're saying when you say that you watch The Office or you watch extras, but The Office uh, especially for me. Um, and you feel like, you know, I've watched this a couple t- – for me, I've watched it a couple times through. I feel like there's still more stuff going on. Absolutely. You know, because you can appreciate it from a comedic level, and then you can appreciate it from a purely dramatic level, and then, of course, a, just a form level because, of course, it's just so – it's so beautifully realized. I actually – it's cra- – I, I mean, I didn't know we were going to talk about this today, but I did mm-hmm. watch – strangely enough, I introduced somebody who had never seen the BBC office mm-hmm. to the pilot episode yesterday, and – as it as is kind of a custom with me, like I almost it's painful for me to just watch the one mm-hmm. yeah. or watch a episode of that <laughs> and stop because I go like it's not it's not complete. You have to see it. It's a film. Yeah, I mean for yeah. me, The Office BBC yeah. is a film, and you have to see all of it and the special to really really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Which it's if you say that to somebody like, hey, you want to come over and <laughs> watch TV for thirty hours? <laughs> they're not really. They're not going to do that. But it doesn't take that. It's only like no. It's the beauty. Eight that's hours. The beauty of, uh, twelve. It's twelve half hour episodes, and then so an hour. Yeah. So seven hours. Yeah. That's less than two Lord of the Rings movies. Okay, there you go. That's how I'll pitch it from now do on. Do it. Come go. over. It's less than two Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> oh, I'll bring food. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I see. I don't see any other uh, recourse at this point. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we gotta we gotta wrap up. So um, I will uh, I will do uh, David's thing. Um, I may not remember it all because I I always just check out when he does the the end things. Um, you can find us on battleshippretension.com. You can email David at battleshippretension.com or me, Tyler, at battleshippretension.com. Uh, you can fu- uh, you know subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a nice review. That would be a delight. Um, uh, we do have a message board, uh, battleshippretension.proboards.com, or you can just click on the link uh, through the website. Uh, David has a TV podcast called Previously On, which you can... Uh, find on iTunes and uh, and I have uh, another podcast called More Than One Lesson which you can find at morethanonelesson.com or on iTunes uh, I think that's David all. tweets at oh shoot Twitter I always forget Twitter 
Thank you. You can follow uh, the official Twitter for Battleship Pretension, which is pretty much David. Uh, so you can find that at the Pretension, and you can follow me, uh, which is the Twitter for more than one lesson. So it's at More Lessons. Uh, you can follow Jason at Eakin. All caps. Why wouldn't it be? I don't see why not. Uh, E-A-K-E-N. And, of course, uh, there are still copies of his film Reservations available, uh, which he wrote and directed. I acted in. Uh, and uh, you can also on the, the, you can listen to a commentary track in which it's Jason, David, and myself. I'll tell you, nuggets of truth flying everywhere. No question about it. It's, it's all there. It's all happening. And so the... Uh, can we redo this whole podcast? Um, I think so. Why? <laughs> sure. I just feel like I didn't really put in a good effort. Oh, okay. No, neither did I. <laughs> okay, hang on a minute. <laughs> Hello, and welcome aboard the Battleship <laughs> Pretension. Um, anyway, so, uh, so you can find... Your next line is, I am Tyler Smith. I, I, it's fine. Uh, I want to I plug reservations before I say, identify myself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so you, uh, it's called Reservations. You can, find, you can buy it uh, through the store on BattleshipPretension.com. hey It's a very good movie. As I've said before, I'm proud to have been a part of it, and uh, I really think you guys will enjoy it. It's Which, no McGee and me. It's no McGee and me, but then what is? Nothing. You Nothing. Ba- you're a bastard. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, now then, speaking of uh, McGee and me, that of course We're not. Is the, We're not speaking <laughs> of it again. Ever. You can find it on, you, on YouTube. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, um, oh my gosh. Now, wh- where can... Do you, uh, have, you have like Christian funding on this, don't you? <laughs> uh, no, I've got it for my other podcast, not this one. Um, because I don't, they get very upset at all three of us saying that was terrible. That whole show was awful. Um, <laughs> but, uh, now wit, you, uh, you make a lot of, uh, short films and such. Uh, <laughs> where can, f- where can people find your, your work online? Um, I, f- I just, uh, I wrapped up about a month ago, uh, a short that I did that, um, I'm really, really excited about called long story short. It's a 19 minute film, mm-hmm. um, that I wrote. It's basically kind of, um, Sort of like once, but substitute musicians for improvisers. Okay. Oh, nice. It's a, uh, uh, just a simple little love story about um, two really mismatched improvisers. Um, she's five foot eleven, and I'm five one. Oh, uh, the actress in that is Nora Kirkpatrick, who is from uh, Greek, uh, ABC's Greek, mm-hmm. okay. and uh, as well as she's m- most likely known from uh, the big indie rock collective band Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, who are like a big big huge famous famous rock band mm-hmm. um she's fantastic in it matt jones from breaking bad is also in it mm. uh, plays badger in it and i'm really really happy about it uh yeah it's like the first time that i get to play sans creepy or nerdy or yeah. anything of that ilk and uh so that is at long story short com is the trailer it's kind of like running the festival circuit right now we're kind of like on pins and needles to see who who likes it and uh, if we get to show it anywhere, um, and then I'm working on a, a couple things for the rest of the year. I'm working on a um, an insane project that uh, uh, I'm working with some people at UCB with. It's a uh, punk rock musical about Napoleon Bonaparte um, called Viva la Emperor, <laughs> and um, it's a uh, it's an insane thing. I, it's like Monty Python with Johnny Rotten mm-hmm. and. Nice. Um, uh, I, I'm really, really excited. And about you, of it. course, play. I play Napoleon. Napoleon. And, 
And, uh, you know, there's song titles like Pardon My French and uh, <laughs> Nice Guys Finish uh, <laughs> And so it's, it's just basically like my bad John Cleese impression from Monty Python, where it's just me talking like this the whole time and yelling like crazy. And, uh, and singing. And Let's not forget and, singing. And, singing. <laughs> um, and so then I'm working on a couple other things right now. I'm kind of writing the follow-ups. Actually, I'm working on one with John Heater mm-hmm. uh, where it's actually um, – I hope it's okay that I say this, but uh, it's kind of his um, Dan in Real Life or Punch Mm. Drunk Love, where I think this is, um, it's really exciting for me because it's it's like a for real drama, Mm -hmm. and I'm really excited to be a part of it. I wrote it for him, Mm -hmm. and um, and he's he's great. He's a great guy, and um, I think he's going to kill it. Uh, It's called Hurts Like Hell, and... um, so doing that, and then I'm doing a couple other shorts, uh, and um, and another play after that. Uh, it's like a Dracula companion piece, uh, probably here in L.A. about Renfield. Oh. And, uh, yeah. Renfield, one of my favorite literary characters of all time. Really? Here. Yes. Yeah, it's called it's called Renfield, and yeah. it's um it's basically True West, but okay. with Doctor Seward and Renfield in the nice. cell, and it's sort of the first act is all precursor. The second act happens synonymous to what happens in the Stoker novel and in the play. And so you hear of Dracula. You hear of all these things that happen in the play and in the novel, but it's happening in other rooms. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And you never see Dracula, um, really. You see, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I don't want to really give that away. And then the third act is is kind of this big, huge epilogue Mm -hmm. that we sort of invented. Um, Really, really excited about that. And people can find you on uh, Facebook where you, oh, up, yeah, yeah. you I, update this kind of thing. Uh, yeah, frequently. Facebook and Twitter. It's all, you know, at Whit Hertford and Facebook is Whit Hertford and, um, and uh, Tumblr. I do stuff on yeah. Tumblr, too. But, yeah, you know, I'm just trying to, like, do a bunch of really obscure and weird things. I'm um, actually working with Nora Kirkpatrick on a thing I'm really, really, really excited about. Uh, uh, we're kind of at the beginning stages of it, but we sort of adore working with each other, mm-hmm. and we look so circus like mm-hmm. being that she's five foot eleven mm-hmm. um and it's <clears throat> it's called happy place and it's a web series and we're doing the web series and the feature s- like simultaneously nice and the web series will be with funnier die and it's um <clears throat> it's called happy place it's about like a uh, a wiggles or raffy type kids musical duo mm-hmm. who they're uh personal life directly contrasts that Mm -hmm. because they're very crazy and weird and have sort of like um, a bizarre dynamic like Flight of the Concords, but there's with these like sort of rocked out kid songs like, you know, don't cheat on your math test. (laughs) And, um, and yeah, and, but, but, you know, but that's like underlining her being mad at me for cheating on her with her mom, you know, and like really dark and weird stuff like that. Um, and then there is a uh, there is a video uh, available on battleshipretention.com starring uh, friends of the show Josh Fadum, Paul Rust, and you called uh, Dog, yeah, Dog Days. Days. Yeah, we did that with Ronnie Asher. Yeah, and uh, and it's very uh, your part in it is a uh, delightful and uh, again kind of creepy. And, and it is pretty weird. creepy. I mean, I'm trying. I mean, that's the thing is like that's always going to be in my wheelhouse because that's the face that you get. But yeah, I'm I'm also working on a short right now called Elliot, which is basically my love lies. You're a big film guy. Mm-hmm. So Love Lies is one yep. of my favorite oh. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but substitute um, Huffing Gas for um, uh, Boston Terrier. 
And so it's myself. Huffing a Boston Terrier. <laughs> it's myself and a Boston Terrier and then a really great young actress named uh, Mary Kate Wiles. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I, yeah, I'm really excited about it. just making a bunch of short films. Um, and uh, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. All right. Well, my cat Charlie's doing adorable things, and that means it's time to end the show. Uh, Jason, thank you for uh, guest hosting. My pleasure, as I really, always. I really appreciate it. And, Wit, thank you so much for being hey here. Hey, guys, thanks. What, uh, so what was the runtime? Four hours? Great. One thirty-five. Made it! So. Just under five. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.